Hey everybody, Michael Eisner here. I'm excited to introduce this next episode where I interview Craig Atkins. He's such a great guy. He reached out to me um, about a year and a half ago. He was in pain and recently, recently diagnosed. I coached with him for about uh, maybe a couple months, maybe not even. And um, after that, he went on to do the recovery challenge with Peter Winslow. And then he came back and we did a few sessions um, here, here and there. And then now he's pain-free and he's doing great. So um, he just has developed a website with his friend Michael, who's also, who also did the recovery challenge with Peter. Uh, the website is a great platform which has a bunch of free resources, books, podcasts, coaches. Uh, go check it out. The address is notthereftofyourlife.com. That's such a wicked name. I really love that name. Uh, so yes, notthereftofyourlife.com. If you want to get a hold of him, uh, you can reach him through this website. And if you're interested in getting a hold of me, you're more than welcome to reach out anytime. My email address, asguidedintent at gmail.com. That's asguidedintent at gmail.com. So, um, you know, for coaching or just if you'd like to reach out, you have some questions, I'm more than happy to talk to anyone. Um, for free, one conversation, and uh, people reach out all the time, and I just, uh, we have a long conversation, and I, I tell them as much as I can what's helped me, what's worked for me, resources, um, and uh, other, other coaches they could work with, and really, if you are interested in finding a coach, I just recommend reaching out to several people and talking to several people and seeing who you feel best uh, who you feel the best connection with that's really the best way and uh, I think everyone would talk to you for free to get to know them and to tell you as much as they know in that in that time so it's uh, it's an incredible resource as well as all the resources that uh, that Craig is listed and are also listed on um, uh, Peter has Peter has incredible resources as well Peter Winslow um, at asvictors.com um, so check it all out just get familiar with as much as this material as you can and uh, eventually it clicks all right, without any further delay, here is Craig Atkins. He's such an awesome guy. I had such a great time working with him and getting to know him and uh, enjoy enjoy his story. It's such a such an awesome story, and he's got so much to pass on. Uh, so here he is. Craig Atkins here. Craig is 31 years old, farm in South Dakota. He has always had big dreams and high anxiety. He was brought up in a stable family. His parents are still together and his mother and father both had anxiety and he now realizes how much that imprinted on him. He dropped out of law school to be a comedian at 23, did some shows, but by then he was five years into a pretty heavy alcohol addiction to cope with his panic attacks. 
He worked odd jobs until he was 28 years old, at which point he had a mental breakdown and quit alcohol. He always had aches and pains, injuries that lasted all summer, foot issues, etc. He never could he never quite took care of the mental aspect after getting sober. And then the stress of 2020 spring at the age of 34, the pandemic kicked things into overdrive. Suddenly his leg and SI joint were constantly inflamed to the point of not sleeping and not being able to walk. He went to dozens of doctors, orthopedics, brain and spine doctors. Finally, he was the one who suggested an HLA B27 test. Then after waiting in February, 2022, not that long ago, <laughs> His rheumatologist basically told him biologics are the only answer since he had been trying NSAIDs for so long and that he would have this condition for the rest of his life. He didn't accept this. That's when he started searching. He played around with things like a meat-only diet, CB, CBD oil, uh, gut seed oak protocols, stretching, special hip apparatuses for relieving muscle tension, massages, etc. For a career, Craig is a freelance drone photographer, an auctioneer, and does some, far, uh, some cattle farming with his dad. Craig is AS diagnosed and is now living pain-free and anxiety-free. Thanks for having me, Michael. I really appreciate it. That's my pleasure. It's truly my pleasure. One correction. You said I was 31, but I'm 37 right now, so okay. much much same <laughs> difference there <laughs> yeah it's okay i feel i feel i feel 21. um let's just kick this off like so i started um having aches and pains i kind of always had them my whole life i didn't know if it was from stress or from just being i thought i was just very injury prone something like it was just the way i am i was very not flexible we said i was just not a very flexible person and i don't I don't know how many years the building up of stress just eventually led to the full-blown AS, or it was just creeping in the shadows the whole time, but it definitely came to a, just a peak in 2020 pandemic. Like my anxiety, I was always a hypochondriac. Like you name it, if something touched the floor, I wasn't gonna eat it. If, if, I, if I touched the surface, you know, I was using hand sanitizer. I would hold my breath around people. Honestly, if this is, 20 years of my life. I mean, I was holding my breath around people that I thought might be sick. I was terrified of getting a cold. And if I had a cold, I might stay up for three nights just pacing back and forth. It's, it's just me describing it just doesn't sound rational at all. So what started happening in 2020 was I've always had SI joint problems in quotes, and it just kept getting worse. And I was freaking out because of the pandemic. And so I was like, I got to get this fixed. So I was going to chiropractors and I was going twice, three times a week to no avail, to no relief, no, no help. And I was like, this is getting worse. And I never put it together at the time, but the more I worried about my leg, the worse it got. And then what's that called when you're the middle of your chest starts hurting? I don't know. Sternum. Yeah. Your sternum, like my sternum started getting inflamed too. And it just kept getting progressively and progressively worse. So I went to a whole bunch of different doctors and finally, you know, what a hypochondriac does, I've Googled every sim single symptom and then I'm like, well, I bet I have AS because I bet I have this gene. And the doctor said, no, we're not gonna run this because whatever reason, right? I insisted. 
So they ran the so they ran the test, and of course, I was positive. Next thing you know, it's like, well, you're right. Go to a rheumatologist. So <laughs> get to go to the rheumatologist. Uh, basically, says prime candidate candidate for biologics since you've been on NSAID so long and had this for, I mean, severe symptoms for this long, and we'll just get you on this. And you're probably it's going to have it for life. And they made it sound like it was the most routine thing in the world. Like, yep, it happens to everybody. Everybody's body just falls apart. So, so this is the lowest point of my life. Not when I had my, we can come back to this later. I thought the lowest point of my life was going to be when I was 28, when I was drinking heavily and finally hit rock bottom from drinking every day. But it happened when I was, what was this, two two years ago? One year ago. Oh, my goodness. One year ago. One year and three months ago about. So um, that was the lowest point because I thought my life was over. I was could barely walk out of the car. It hurt so bad. Um, and then I get home and I just have a breakdown. I'm like, this this is not going to get any better. And then I, then I went to bed and I woke up and I know I said the pain was bad before, but it was the worst it's ever been. And it spread to my arms, but that was actually a good thing because it made me real. Something in the back of my mind said, how does this work? If I'm having more pain now that I'm diagnosed and I'm freaking out to the maximum level, something tells me I'm creating this myself like why did these other symptoms not appear until I went to the rheumatologist and he basically outlined what symptoms might happen. He kind of said, yeah, you'll have that. And you might have knee problems and you might have these arm problems. And then magically the next day, I'm starting to get these other symptoms that weren't there before. So I, I kind of shunned, like I was supposed to go into a follow-up. I've I shouldn't say this. This isn't a medical advice. I've never been back to the doctor since that day. <laughs> that was a, so that was the last day I went to the doctor, went home, went home, started Googling like mad, you know, and I found the meat only diet. So here I am eating only meat. I was, I did that for about three and a half, four weeks deep into ketosis, not getting any relief, completely out of energy. I was only eating hamburger and pork. Um, and then I'm like, why am I not getting any relief? And I Google on YouTube, it's Klebsiella, if people aren't uh, familiar to this. it's They say it's a kind of bacteria in your gut that mimics the, correct me if I'm wrong, Michael, it mimics how the HLA-B gene, it, like the, the bacteria in your gut looks like the gene. So that's why you're inflamed because you have too much Klebsiella. So I Googled, YouTubed Klebsiella, and Michael Eisner's video came up, and he said, Klebsiella is bullshit. And you know what I had as a reaction? I got so angry. I got furious because here I am. How can he say that? This guy doesn't know anything. I'm sitting here suffering, and little did I know, that was my ego lashing out at the fact that I could be wrong. And... And once his video sank in, it took about 10 minutes to sink in. And then I was eating a cracker. I was like, he's 100% right. This is not, it's all in my mind. This is the placebo effect. What Michael was saying in this YouTube video, it's an old video, was that this is completely the placebo effect. The diets, the, the stretching, the yoga, all this stuff is the placebo of making yourself, of making yourself thinking you're going to get better. Therefore, it does get better. And so now the new goal was to see see what Michael did. 
And let's go down this, let's go down this rabbit hole. On a side note, the comments on Michael's video were just like how I felt. How dare you insult the diet? How dare you insult my AS? You don't know the first thing about pain. And when you visit communities that are dedicated to pain, and they are dedicated to pain, you notice a theme, a very negative theme. And right when I was diagnosed with AS, I really got into the Facebook groups for just a few weeks in the Reddit ankylosing spondylitis page and the Reddit, uh, uh, Reddit and the Facebook ankylosing spondylitis page. And they bring you down. They really bring you down, not to say misery loves company, but they, they're like, yep, get on biologics as soon as you can. And everybody's like, everything hurts. And that's just the way it is. Just that's just that's just their life. And it's like they're all feeding off their commiseration. And when you take a step out of this, I'm kind of sorry. I apologize to all the listeners. I can I can go off on tangents, but I, I can talk about that aspect of AS or actually any mind-body syndromes like IBS, uh, AS, because of course I had IBS because I was a nervous wreck my whole life. I just assumed, you know, I'm shitting my pants. I'm nervous, you know? <laughs> um, all these things went away once I started practicing the techniques of of just mindfulness and just looking at examining my thoughts and saying, okay, my body is trying to tell me something with this pain. As hokey and as ridiculous as it sounds, my true self was trying to tell me something. If can you relate to that at all, Michael? Like your true self? Right. Yeah. It's like a like a messenger or um mm -hmm. you shall not pass, kind of mm -hmm. like it's enough. Enough is enough. <laughs> And um, I mean, what's uh, what was it that um, what did you do at that point? That point, I knew there was a like a, a different way. Something deep inside my body said there was a different way. What did I do at that point? I sent you an email, Michael, and uh, you talked with me right away. And of course, I was in hysterics and just completely. Didn't I didn't really believe that I could heal myself just by changing my attitude. That's literally all it is, is changing your attitude and letting your true self come out. Um, I didn't believe it at first, but you just gave me enough motivation to say, hey, keep at it. And you gave me some resources like Peter Winslow was great. Listening to your podcast was great. Listening to Sky Denton's podcast was great. And I've listened to your podcast several times and there's probably people just like how I used to be kind of on the fence. Just, I'm not, I've only been, I, I, my healing journey took six months from when I got diagnosed, from when I discovered the mind body in March, it took me six months, March of last year, it took me six months to be completely out of pain and, and completely out of anxiety. And that is not too long. When you're in, when you're in, when you're in the pain and you're in the whole trenches, so to say, the six it seemed endless to me. But I know I am very lucky, and I um, adapted quickly to these techniques. And it might be longer for you, might be, might be shorter, but just keep going and just keep. I know you don't you don't want to come back and use these podcasts as a crutch but it's just nice to know that hey there's people out there they have healed you can heal too you know it's just almost encouragement i don't have any deep prophetic things to tell you about as or about 
or about any any um PMS symptoms you might have or your back pain. I just want to tell you that I I can do it. You can do it too because I I didn't believe it was possible and my doubt did stand in the way and it and it's still from day to day. Sometimes I wake up and I think, "Oh man, maybe I should no, you just stop it right there and it's like that's the old me." So I catch yourself getting on a tangent. What this really springs from is anxiety and depression in your deep subconscious which is it's not it's not easy to solve look look around turn on the tv i mean the depression is up huge anxiety is highest levels ever this is a global phenomenon you look at autoimmune conditions around the world they're definitely on the rise i just saw an article about how they've increased like twofold in the last whatever since the pandemic and people are struggling to find out why but for us in the mind body community if we can call it that i'm not even sure what the community is but just this this holistic approach we all know the reasons for why all these conditions are there how stressful have the last three years been how much psychological warfare has been hitting your head no matter what how much crap are you seeing on the tv how much how much do you go onto your facebook how much poison are you putting into your body how much you can't go anywhere without being bombarded by sensory overload propaganda just hitting over the head with a stick, and then you wonder why your joints are swollen. Um, you wonder, you wonder why. Oh, I have high blood pressure, or I have, I have, I have back pain. That's if you only have back pain right now, you're doing pretty good. <laughs> but um, it's 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 no surprise why it's like getting rid of anxiety and depression is is it's easy. It's simple. But it's not easy. It just starts with loving yourself. And I'll, I'll wrap back around like what the core to me starting healing was just accepting myself with all my flaws, with all who I've been just forgiving myself and just being okay with the fact that you are going to die, <laughs> which, which is kind of heavy. It's not that easy to accept because the root of all my anxiety, and I would posit that most everyone's anxiety is a fear of death. When you get to the layer upon layer, it's like, I don't want to go to work. I'm scared my boss is going to yell at me. Why is my boss going to yell at me? Because then I might lose my job. Then what? You might starve. Then what? I might die. Every single anxiety, like an onion and at the core, I get. It's, there's a book called Worm at the Core written in the 70s. Um, it's about death. It's um, earnest somebody i'm sorry good book check it out it's just about this topic side note um anyway michael <laughs> i feel like i'm just i'm just going 100 miles an hour and i apologize to you and your guests. Oh, <laughs> you and billy like right out the gate man like cannonball don't stop dude okay that's that i want to talk about billy he doesn't know me well i was five months into my healing journey they always call it the healing journey. <laughs> Five months in, I had ups and downs. We'll get to ups and downs because the healing journey is two steps forward, four steps back, five steps forward. You're all over the place. Sometimes I thought I was getting worse, but just trust your there's just trust your deep true self because way deep down you know it's working. Trust it. Anyway, getting back to Billy. Billy said on your podcast, shoot me an email. I was five months into my healing. I got better for about two weeks. And I barely had any pain and I was like, I'm through it. And then it hit me like a truck. All of a sudden I was back at square one. 
and I panicked and I thought, oh no, here we are back, back in the pain. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to message Billy because he said to message him on the podcast. I shot him a little email. He gave me the nicest response, the most personal response. And he said, just keep doing it. Find your passion in life. And guess what? I found what I love to do. And for the next two weeks, I just distracted myself and never gotten, that was the end of my pain. That was the, that was the last time he, he pushed me over like the final like step of the way, just with that email. And it was incredible. Yeah. Well, can you break down that email a little bit more? Um, I can pull it up here if you want. (laughs) I haven't looked at it in a little bit. Just says, um, if you avoid stressful situations, stop thinking so negative, catch yourself thinking negatively. It can be very difficult to let go of contradictory stories you've told yourself and been told by medical doctors and drug companies. AS is, is, is not for life. It's, 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 you're going to get over this. Once you realize where you are and where you're going, you'll be on the right path. So just, and then he said some personal stuff and then, it just gave me the the push I need over the edge. So that's what I I don't when everybody goes to these healings, you want to give back to the community. So I personally like anybody wants to email me. I have a website up. You can always ask me anything. I'm not the most sage person on the subject. Obviously, I just got diagnosed like a year ago, but I I would love to point I, I if anybody has any questions, I would love to answer anything anybody has or if you're in a lot of pain and really scared because how come those things are like synonymous pain and and uh being frightened those those two things are just are kind of like always together and once you realize once you're not scared and once you're not worried and once you're not depressed if you had pain would it bother you no but the funny thing is (laughs) when you're when you're happy and have a lot of, and just have good energy and feel the love of the universe. If you're just gonna not have pain, that's just the way it is. You're gonna, you're gonna, your body is gonna naturally heal itself and you'll be able to face everything, even death. Um, one caveat if I would hear myself, if I would have heard myself saying these things two years ago, I would have said, Who is this hippie? Like the universe, love. What is this stuff? This is these are this is nonsense. This is baloney. What is this hippy drippy stuff? I don't need this. I don't need I don't need the nature. This is all it's just chemicals. Everything's just chemicals swirling around, and we're all just what did Carl Sagan say? Oh, we're just little pieces of dust on a thing of dust, and just makes you feel insignificant. I'm not knocking Carl Sagan, but that's a very materialistic way to look at the universe. We're not just dust, we are the entire universe. Every consciousness is now. Now we're getting sidetracked, Michael. Now we're getting sidetracked. Consciousness is every. You are everything, and you are nothing. And once you realize that, it's much easier to let go of your fears. Not to say I'm there yet, but I'm getting there step by step. I, I I'm. It's easier to let go. I want to talk about. Um getting over this is awesome man this is incredible i want to talk about because you got into it and i'm just yeah. going to get in a little bit deeper on please do because i kind of went all over the place I oh, need you, focus. No, I need focus. you were literally answering questions that were coming up in my head 
So <laughs> you're dead on. You're right in there, man. It's awesome. Mm -hmm. I just want to know about getting over the belief, like the tipping point, 51%. Because I know that mm. when we were, you know, you were reaching out to me, we were working together, you know, here and there. And mm -hmm. um, there's a tipping point of belief. And so just talk about your experience before and after. For sure. So if, if you didn't know, uh, me, Michael, I coached with Michael for, for uh, eight months or so. And it was incredible, the, the guidance he gave me. And he just basically, you have to, there's a point, and Peter Winslow sa says this too in his podcast a lot too. You have to believe at least 51%. Because once you believe 51%, it's almost like a cascade. Then it'll go to 52, to 53, to 55, and then it just rolls. And once you hit 90, it's like what Ralph Ruiz said on your last podcast. Once you hit, once some hit 90, I mean, I was at zero. Like when I was in so much pain, I'm at 90%. I mean, the rest, who cares what happens? And then you're at 100, next thing you know. But if you're at 49%, that means you're doubting more than you're believing. And if the doubt is the dominant, thing in this pessimism of course it's not going to work and if you're on the fence about this whole mind body thing you'll say well well who, who knows if it works well what do you have to lose just believe it with all your heart even if you don't fully believe it just give it 51 percent. just believe it when i was sitting doing it when i was meditating at first when i was when i was really just um imagining my body like Bruce Lipton has the biology of the belief, and he has uh, a another book called the I forget what it's called. Oh, breaking the habit of being yourself, and he is all about Bruce Lipton. Check him out. He's all about visualizing yourself healing. And so when I was doing these meditations, I would forty nine percent of myself said, "This is bullshit. This isn't. This is what am I doing? Telling myself I'm healing." But then after after a while. The doubt was down to 40% and then like 35%. And then my belief was going up because I would feel better once I got into this state of relaxation and just telling my body it was going to be okay made it a self-fulfilling prophecy. Like I would tell my body it's going to be okay. And it just slowly started to believe it. It just it's it's the strangest thing. And then it's like, yeah, I am going to be okay. And guess what? I am going to get out of fight or flight mode. Michael. Can we talk about panic and anxiety? Yeah, so, so important. So, so I had some of my earliest memories are being in kindergarten, having a panic attack. I probably had panic attacks and anxiety attacks from earliest memories five and six all the way till I haven't had a panic attack in in uh, since May last year. So uh, after about half about two, three months into my uh, mind-body journey, they just slowly melted away. And I have not had a panic attack since, which is incredible for having them my whole life. I still have anxiety, but it's not its not making me do things that, like, I never would fly. I never fly. I hate flying. It makes me terrified. I get sick. I throw up. I can't do it. Not even an hour flight. I mean, last month I flew to Vietnam, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so it's it's like that's that's if you told me a year ago that I was going to be on a plane, I would have said no way. If you told me I was going to be on a plane for 17 hours, I said get the hell out of here. I'm staying in my bubble, you know. 
But the panic and the anxiety put your body into fight or flight. And when you're in fight or flight, you can never heal. And so if, if you have an inflammation somewhere, it's just going to keep compounding. Plus the stress in your life, it's going to build up. It's going to manifest into, I, I'm probably, people wouldn't believe this, but I would think it would manifest in almost all conditions. You name a modern condition um, besides like breaking your arm. And I would say stress has a good deal to do with it. You know, um, you look at anybody who has childhood traumas and stuff, they have way higher chance of having cancers and autoimmune things happen later in life. Like statistically, um, I, I, I shouldn't quote statistics unless I have them in front of me, but from the, the things I've read, it's your, your upbringing and your just state of mind has so much to do with your longevity. And who was it? Bob Hope lived to 99 or 100 and only went to the doctor one time in his life, only went to the hospital one time in his life, and they asked him what was his secret. He said he just laughed all day long. He just laughed all day long was a secret. Wow. Tell me, tell me about your relationship stress. Cause I know like, um, well, we can be stressed about stress, right? And uh, we can change our perception of stress cause stress, you know, there's stresses in life, right? Mm -hmm. They're gonna be there. So how did you shift your perception or relationship to it? Mm -hmm. I think, I took a step back and realized how insignificant my stress was. Like, what is the worst that happened? Before, my hypochondria would say, what's the worst that happened? Well, you get sick and you're sitting in a hospital room and it's sterile and it's white and it's, you know, it's like, and, and you're just in this environment you don't want to be in and all my anxiety kicks in. But then just taking a step back, what is the worst that happens in any situation? Like we are talking about earlier with worry, like, what is the worst that happens? My stress. It's like, oh, I got to do X, Y, Z before this time. It's, it's like, do I do I really? And if it's that important, I'll get it done. And if it's and if I don't get it done, people are going to understand. And if they don't understand, who cares? F them. You know what I mean? <laughs> Maybe it's not the best advice if you want to be a high achiever like in a corporate office. But I mean, if you you only are responsible to yourself and the ones you love it's like if somebody's if you're doing something you have to know why you're doing your why you're doing this and if you're doing it for the wrong reasons it's going to be more stressful if you're doing something out of love like you're doing you're earning money for your family and stuff but if you're ah this might not be the most clear thing <laughs> the angle at which you approach things that cause stress you have to be doing it for the right reasons or else it'll just be more stressful so if I'm, ah, I don't know. Does that make any sense, Michael? You're talking about being in alignment with your beliefs and values. Yes, yes, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Tell me about your, that. Your actions must meet your, your actions must be in alignment with your true self. And you're going to say, what's your true self? The hypothetical you, you're going to say, what's my true self? Well, deep down, you should know who your true self is. It's like unless you're some kind of sociopath, you should know who your true self is. You've felt it your whole life. Are you a loving person? Are you a good person? 99.99% of all people are, you know what I mean? So look inside yourself and just see who the true, who the true is. Hell, it might be a hundred percent of people are, you know, it's just situations and things have led them 
to not express themselves healthily. So yes, like just being in alignment with your actions is so important with your true self. Like ethic, like what you have to have a reason for why you're doing this and why and and hmm. Yes, you have to be <laughs> bring your it. So your soul has to be like in line with with your actions, basically. Yes. Yeah. So bring bring it back to people pleasing and and uh, would you would you say that that's something that you're re re on the path to recovering from or recovered from, and how does it relate to being in alignment and knowing your true self? Oh, that's a very good question. Um, as you know, most of us TMS quote unquote sufferers uh, always love to please people, and I always loved. That's why I wanted to be a comedian in the past. I loved it when people laughed. I wanted their approval. So this people pleasing is deep in is deep in me, but it isn't me. The people pleasing isn't your true self because unless it's depends on is it your 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 grandma cooking you a nice meal that's a different kind of people pleasing but you trying to please random strangers and always being kind of a sycophant and just being there like a, almost like a toady or just a yes man or you know deep down it's not what you really want to do hence why it causes the back pain and the leg pain and the spinal pain is because you don't when you hear yourself say Oh, when you hear yourself say something that's so out of alignment, when somebody says something to you and you're like, oh, oh yeah, and you just agree with them when really deep down you want to just punch them in the face and you said the exact opposite thing about how you really felt, that's going to go against your true beliefs. So you'll say, well, how do I, well, I don't, I can't just go around punching people. No, but you can just be straight up. Don't, big thing is don't make excuses. Don't say, if somebody says, Hey, you want to go out for lunch? No, I don't want to because I have to go. To... No, just say no. Just say no. Don't give them an excuse. The first step of people pleasing is you would say, yes, I will go out with you to eat when you really don't want to. The next step is you would say no. And then you'd say, well, 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 I don't want to do this. The true mastery is when you just say no, just say no. If you don't want to do something, just straight up say no. And, and they might counter with an argument. And if they make a good enough case, sure, you can say yes, but just be true to how you really feel in all situations. And it will cause so much less friction. Like, what was it? Somebody asked me to go help them move the other day. And I was just like, I am beaten. I just said, no, I can't. No, I can't. I can't. No other explanation. I mean, it sounds like you think you're being a jerk, but they don't care. I mean, nobody, nobody's reading into your thoughts as much as you think. You're not as important as you like to everybody else is so in their head. It's so everybody else is so in their head. Nobody's analyzing what you're going to say to them. And nobody thinks you're a jerk. The only thing people are going to think is, wow, they're easy to walk all over. And so people are going to take advantage of that. And so really, when you advocate for yourself, it's 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 win win because you just position yourself higher. They'll give you more respect when you have your own boundaries and you won't do shit you don't want to do. <laughs> yeah beautiful yeah awesome. um talk about emotions mm -hmm. and uh being uh sort of swept away by them uh in your experience with them like uh, you know giving them full control over you um mm -hmm. 
totally so if you can't tell already i have a pretty uh, a pretty high energy sometimes and uh, that's a good it's a double it's my double-edged sword so i can relate to this they also go the other way too so everything it's like the yin and the yang it's like yeah you can be very feel very good but then get swept away by that feeling but also you can get swept away by the negative you have to catch it you just got to catch it and be aware that it's happening as soon as you become aware you can let yourself worry if you know you're going to be depressed just be aware of what your body's doing just be aware of how you're thinking it's like yeah okay i'm going to this dark place don't even if it's taking over you don't let it completely take over you just kind of be conscious like take a step and put your thoughts almost in a bubble and take a step back because when you do that it really it really shows you how these emotions aren't you they aren't you they're just these these processes going on in your body and this is how you've like a pavlovian dog you have trained yourself to react in these situations somebody cuts you off in traffic you get oh you should see my road rage in the past uh <laughs> many people will attest to me uh just going from zero to a hundred just out of control that's because i i took my emotions and i let them control me and now if something happens in traffic i i don't even miss it it's it's like it just flipped in the sense i went through this healing journey it's like it's like yes i have a lot of anger but it's like i put it in a bubble and it's immediately gone it's like but it's not like it's repressed it's like i'm recognizing it's there and it, like do i want to act on it no what's the point it's my ego talking it's like all these emotions are your ego trying to distract you distract you or become the center again because when your ego isn't the center it always tries to find a way and i mean we're in a time where the ego is fed a lot of bullshit. you know like, like i said like from from the media it's like everything you see is about building your ego even if it is negative it's like well i'm so important that this news is important to me or you know everything's important to me it's like really you could shut off all your electronics and live in a cave and i mean what's going to change anywhere i mean how important it, it's very humbling to like realize how important is your life it's the most important but it's also the least important at the same time it's like a like two different things at the same time it's like yes my life is divinely important but in the grand scheme of things i mean in in the totality of all it's not important at all so it kind of gives you that like my soul is important again i'm getting sidetracked <laughs> what was the question <laughs> emotions don't let them don't control them put them in a bubble and kind of watch them from afar i think uh um who is it i want to say eckhart tolton i might be wrong there's a couple of these authors that's that say to do that and i found that to be very helpful just realize you are not your emotions yeah, eckhart Tolle talks a lot about it mm. he, he goes into the i'm sure you know all about it you mm -hmm. read read the book several times um mm -hmm. new earth when he talks about pain body and i mean that you know that whole entity the dark side of the the ego you know there's there's a healthy ego you know the one that helps us out you know encourages us to do things and gives us energy and then there's the pain body which is all about you know going spiraling down and but dude you're yeah man I'm, that's how it was for me is like uh when i learned to be okay with the darkness 
Did you and, feel like your emotions controlled you in the past when you were having symptoms? Yeah, man. Yeah, fully. Like um, with anger and rage was huge. And I wouldn't even know what was happening. You know, I, I've talked about this a lot. Like mm -hmm. someone would say something and, uh, you know, would just really bother me. And it would last for days and days. And I wouldn't say anything. And it would just take me down. down. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I wouldn't know like what that was. It's only now that I realized and through a long, for me, it was a long process of realizing that that was rage. And I didn't have to identify with it. I could just watch it and feel it. Um, but yeah, it's been a, it's been a heck of a journey, man. <laughs> a wild journey. Tell me about the different paths of healing that, that you, you know, it's definitely something yeah. I, everyone's different, right? So let's talk a bit about that. Yeah. Let's talk about some real stuff. <laughs> like some people are wondering, everybody always thinks, oh, all these abstract ideas. I want something that I can implement today. So here's Steve Ozanich. He wrote the book, The Great Pain Deception. Probably my favorite book besides maybe New Earth by Eckhart Tolle for healing, just because he just talks so down to earth about healing and what steps he took because he had so many issues, Crohn's and all this stuff. And he got over it all and severe back pain. And his biggest thing was now this isn't medical advice, please. If, if you're in pain, exercising through the pain sounds so counterintuitive. So I just I couldn't run. And in the book, he goes, I just made myself run and I couldn't run. So I just went outside and I was in bad SI pain and I ran. And the whole time I ran, I thought to myself, I can run. My body's fine. It'll heal itself. And I ran and I ran and then I kept, I ran for like a mile and then I ran the next day and it hurt and it hurt and it hurt and it hurt. And then all of a sudden the pain was only about a four out of 10 instead of an eight out of 10 about a few weeks later. This was probably four months into it. It was tough getting over these barriers because I was making progress, but I still was scared. I had I had went about four months with the meditations and like the visual imagery meditations, and I really wanted to start working out again, like hard. Um, and so I just read this book, and I was like, "Wow, he just did it. He just went after." after nothing else worked. And that was his biggest turning point. And I'm like, I'm just going to apply this to my life. Like I'm going to do the visual image while I run. So it seemed like I was breaking my leg at first. And then I just knew I wasn't, I just, I medically it's probably not good advice, but you just, you just powered through it. And then I taught myself, my body like somehow learned that, Oh yeah, it is fine. My hip is fine. My leg is fine. It's not, after it's been inflamed for God knows how many years, like limping for how many long, and then eventually just kind of disappeared. So that was big. Exercising is big. And if it hurts too much, don't do it. Be light on it. But if your leg hurts, do some benches, do some, do some pushups, stay active. I'm talking seven days a week. I, I, I know people like advocate days off, but always move every day, even if it's just walking or just moving around or doing a little yoga and when you do yoga, do some hard yoga, hold some planks for a minute. You know what I mean? Push yourself to exhaustion because like, this is another thing. Working out obviously decreases anxiety and, and uh, depression, which relieves stress, which is just going to heal you on your journey. So wherever you, you, if you want, 
do it like I did and just hit the areas that hurt. What if you're concerned or you have a real act, like you're really concerned about hurting yourself, just, just do everywhere but that area. That's one thing. Exercise. I had a set. I have, I still meditate every day, but I only do about uh, 20 to 30 minutes in the morning after a cold shower, of course. <laughs> we'll get to that. Um, so at first I was meditating. I was doing the Bruce Lipton meditations and I was doing an hour a day for two months. That sounds pretty intense, but if you're serious about healing, you're going to put the time in. Uh, if uh, someone said, well, well, why would you put an hour a day meditation? That's insane. But if your life is so bad and quote unquote bad, why wouldn't you just put in the work? It's not that much time. And it's just, it's just to train your body to have a new, I think it was just taking me down out of a constant state of panic. Just, just, just would reset my brain. Everybody might not even need an hour of meditation. And, um, there's different approaches to everything, obviously. Uh, what was that other thing I was going to say? I was just going to say, oh, I taking cold showers, taking cold showers and stuff like that, doing the Wim Hof breathing. Now, here's, I almost forgot this. This was, this was instrumental too. So all these things are being implemented. Day, uh, Nestor, James Nestor has a book called uh, Breathe, I think it is. Breathe. And Patrick Mc, McCowan has uh, The Breathing Cure. I noticed I was always breathing through my mouth whenever I was nervous. So the more nervous I got, I was always breathing through my mouth. If you do one thing, don't take anything from this podcast. Start breathing through your nose. Just seriously start breathing through your nose unless you're doing a specific breathing exercise. I'm talking always. Put tape over your mouth at night. You're working out. You're running 10 miles. Don't open your mouth one time. If you can't run a mile without opening your mouth, that means you're not trained enough. Tape your mouth. I don't care if you're lifting weights. Never breathe out of your mouth unless you're singing or I guess I'm breathing when I'm talking a lot or like talking a lot because my sinuses, I've had sinus issues my whole life, completely disappeared. Allergy issues, gone, not even stuffed up anymore. Plus it regulates it when you're breathing too much oxygen. As I can tell now, because I'm not used to talking this much, I can tell I'm hype, hyped up because I'm breathing out of my mouth because I'm talking so much. But it just down regulates you so much. You neck if if you get nervous, just watch your breathing. You'll be breathing out of your mouth and just breathe out of your nose. You'll never go from instead of going from five to to ten, you'll go from five to six. You'll never hit that peak in liftoff point of panic. Just nose. Doesn't even matter if it's slow because you can't breathe that fast through your nose. Your body will adjust. Your body will adjust. You'll say, I can't do hard cardio with that. Trust me, you can. And it takes a few weeks, maybe a month, but once there's nothing like the feeling of running with your mouth shut as fast as you can. <laughs> a little little plug for the breathing thing. So there are so many things going into that, this at once. People might not have the luxury of this. I was not working. I was basically, this was my job for six months. That's what I did, was focused on healing because that's that was the most important thing in my life. And I think my body recognized that. I told myself that this is the most important thing to do in my life right now. Nothing else matters. So I was very fortunate that I had I had a good family to help me out and, you know, support me. And if if I needed, you know, I know everybody doesn't have that luxury and people are working 10 hours a day. So 
Yeah, it's hard. It's it's. I understand why all this stuff. Like you have the breathing, you have the exercises, you have you have meditation, and then you have reading. And next thing you know, you're up to six, seven, eight, nine. I mean, I was spending twelve hours a day on this stuff. That's not even an exaggeration when I was in pain. It's, but you don't need to do that. You don't need to do that. That was only like the first month. Just a caveat. Now, now I'm I spend about an hour a day doing mind body things. 20 minutes meditating, 30 minutes yoga. And then before bed, I'll do a little short meditation and just thank myself. And I don't do it because it's like, oh, look, it's on my schedule. I have to do this. I do this because I genuinely enjoy it. And I know my body enjoys it. My sleep is so, so much deeper. I can just tell. I feel, I, I know it's a cliche. It's so, it's such an old cliche, but I feel better than I did at 20. Yeah, me too. <laughs> me too. And you you do even your videos like your first video you posted when you were just healing Michael from like seven or eight years ago you look better now than you did then. That's crazy! Wow, <laughs> that's wild man, that's so wild. Yeah, and I feel it, and I also tape my mouth shut at night. Good. I've never slept better in my whole life. I've gotten up to pee twice every night for almost my whole life, mm -hmm. and. As I started taping, I've not gotten up once to go pee, and that's been a year. Sleeping the whole night, I've never had that. I don't have nightmares anymore. I also had sleep apnea, so I was stopping myself from breathing for. But uh, besides, and you got and you got rid of that, right? Uh the the taping helps a lot. The taping helps a tremendous. Oh, that's that's awesome! Incredible. It's like you're in like hibernation mode now. Yeah, I, I think I have like my body's. <laughs> you're like a you're like a bear. <laughs> exactly. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, you already talked about your um, your um, your website that you're creating. Oh, called and maybe tell us a little bit more about it. So me and my uh, friend who also cured from ankylosing spondylitis. Uh, well, who is this Mike, person? Michael Petri. Oh, okay. Okay. Right. Right. He was yeah. Free challenge with you, right? He was in the recovery challenge. He uh, has been diagnosed for a lot longer. He's thirty. Oh, he's gonna he's gonna hear this and be like, "Mate, you don't know my age because he's Australian." Uh, I think he's thirty three or four. Oh shoot, sorry, Michael. But he's been diagnosed for 12, 13 years. But he has he is he has recovered, and we're starting a website. It's called NotTheRestOfYourLife.com. Just mm. NotTheRestOfYourLife.com. Check it out. It's just basically a resource page where I list all the resources. Every resource that's on there, I have read or, or, or Michael has read, and we have thought they're quality resources as coaches, podcasts, videos, and a whole bunch of books and guided me meditation. So anything I did to heal is on that list. And you can drop me a message if you're like, I don't know where to start. Just send me a message. I'd love to tell you where to start. Um, it just has our little story. It's very basic. And then I'm going to get a quiz on there. Um, it's going to be up probably in a week. That's going to have the idea is to test yourself to see how angry you are. Like with a statement that says my back pain is psychological. Does that statement make you angry? Because if that statement make you angry, it's probably true. Because mm. if it wasn't psychological, you wouldn't care if somebody said it was psychological. But if it is psychological and somebody says your back pain is psychological, 
you would get upset because part of you knows like, how dare he insult my pain? This is my pain. That means you're attached to it. And if you're truly not attached to the pain, you'd be like, oh, you would not care about that. State. Anyway, it's going to have a whole bunch of anger things. And if you identify with them and you get angry from them, you might have a pain body issue. So that's awesome. And <laughs> of the website is incredible. It's the name, yeah, because you know, it's kind it's of that's like that? the, that's the seed. It's like the counter seed of <laughs> what we're told when you get diagnosed, right? Yeah, it's so this is for life. But here you go. Here are some things that will shut off your immune system. And here you go. You're going to need a subscription for this. See you every few months. And it's like, this is for the rest of your life. Well, <laughs> not, no, nothing's for the rest of your life. Everything you can change. You are so powerful. You have so much power inside yourself. And when I say these things, like you're so powerful, I am talking to myself too, to reinforce it. I forget these things too. I am no, I am so new to this. I just want to stress, I am so new to this, and this journey is just beginning for me. Like Ralph Ruiz says, once you heal from your pain, your journey really starts. Mm. Like when you when you're done with your pain, then the real shit happens because then you have no more pain, and then you're just left with your life. And mm. your life, your pain was there distracting you from your life or whatever it was. Your anxiety is distracting you from your life. As much as you hate your depression and your pain. Those are there so you don't actually have to face your life. Mm. Dude, that is that is it. <laughs> that is it. <laughs> That's the whole thing. That is, I mean, for me, that is, um, oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> right? Dude. And when you face your life, it's not pleasant because then you have to face the reality of, Wow, I don't have any money. Wow, kind of a loser. <laughs> you know, it's like, wow, right. I wait, I wasted ten years of my life drinking every day. <laughs> wow, <laughs> so, wow, I haven't gone for my what I what I really want to do. Yeah, I thought I had all these aspirations in life. I was going to be an astronaut. <laughs> right, right. You're going to be an astronaut. We're going to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to have a. I'm going to write a book. I'm going to play in a band. I'm going to do this, and then. Then it's like, whoops, oh shit, I'm gonna be 50. It's like 13 years, I'm gonna be 50. That's not that long away, you know? And then it's like, but that's that's what you have to be okay with. That is what the anxiety and depression are stopping you from. And, it, and from examining your life, which really just means examining mortality. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which, which, which um, I mean, who cares, man? Mm. That's the. Did you have to face something on that airplane, or were yes. you? Okay. Um, so I can talk about that. So the, the trip to Vietnam. Yeah. Oh, uh, I was in the airplane. I told it 40, 40 hours, forty-two hours total. The whole trip. I was there a month. Most incredible trip in my life. Met some of the best people I've ever met in my life. Um, but before then. I had, every time I was on a plane, I would throw up, couldn't sleep the night before, panic the whole time. Oh, can't like freaking out, like ready to pull the emergency exit, jump out. And then I vowed four or five years ago, I vowed never to take a flight again. 
I said, never going to take a flight. Don't want anything to do with it. And then after I healed, I said, you know what? I've always wanted to travel. And I was like, let's go big. Let's get on the longest direct flight possible. It was like the second or third longest flight I could get on. You know what I mean? And I always want to go to Vietnam. So I get on the plane. I never had a full-blown panic attack. But, you know, I had all the feelings were there. I wasn't out of control. But I kept my nose breathing. And it sucked. And and I was like, and I just have to remind myself, like, what happens if the plane blows up? It's like, it's fine. It's always fine. You could die anytime. We're all going to die. We're all going to die. Just reminding myself, as morbid as it sounds, it's like, and then after about, it took, I know this is embarrassing. It took me about 25 hours of flight time before I stopped caring at all. And by the time I was coming home, I was sleeping on the plane. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. Not like hard sleep. I was still a little anxious. I'm not going to lie. I was not, I was not, I was not, not, I was not, not anxious, but I mean, from going from 10, it was like, I would rate it a 10 out of 10 fear to being like, I would go on a plane tomorrow and not care. You know, somebody could offer me a ticket and I would go anywhere in the world. That's tomorrow. huge. Yeah. That's sense. I'd say that's transformation. Um, so I have a question. Uh, you did Peter Winslow's recovery challenge. I did. I did. So do you want me to speak about that? I can. So I, I found you, I coached with you, my, uh, Michael, and then I kind of led me to Peter's course, which is an eight week program. Awesome program it was about seven or eight people. And the course just kind of broke it down. Like what we've been talking about, about just telling yourself you love yourself and just reinforcing it, giving yourself some exercises and it's and it was it's eight weeks long totally cool if you if you're on the fence about it just do it it's it's a great great investment it was it really paid off for me and i'll say there was god there's seven people in our class and we're on a group chat in uh whatsapp right now and i think everybody is better everybody everybody is as diagnosed and everybody's better everyone ah oh. crawl that's that's i think the last some people were struggling a few months ago but i think the last message said they were they finally got out and it was like we all slowly just kind of hit the point where we're like healing and then another one would say yeah i'm out of it i'm totally fine and now we're all like basically out of the woods everybody heals at their own rate because everybody has trauma and what they got to unravel but all seven of us all seven as diagnosed i think somebody had I want to say Crohn's or something too. Um, uh, all better, all better, like all that stuff. And here's something, like since like you and Peter Winslow and all and and Ralph all discovered this about ankylosing spondylitis. Maybe we're just the lucky quote unquote disease. Maybe we're lucky because there's no groups like this for other things. But I think if you took like the AS challenge and applied it to anything. Like, mm. I think it would work. And I think it just so happens that we got lucky. There's a, a few pioneers in with, with this disease. Cause if this wouldn't, these programs wouldn't have been out there. I wouldn't have found them. If I would have got diagnosed with lupus or something, I would have never found something like Peter's course. And it wouldn't have been out there. I'd still be probably eating some kind of berry or something every day. 
you know, and it's just, I, I know, but it's hard to speak because I've never been diagnosed with these things if they work for them. So you have to take somebody with them and apply these principles. And that's what I hope happens with the website. Just people with these things, try out this and it starts to work. I know, I know people have healed from a lot of stuff, especially gut issues. Once you calm down the gut and, and I will caveat this, you got to eat right too. You can't, you can't eat a bunch of freaking seed oils and high fructose corn syrups and expect to heal your heal your body you know what i mean you can't yeah, you can't treat your body as they say in seinfeld you can't treat your body like an amusement park and expect <laughs> you you'll probably still heal if you have all these tools it just won't be as effective i'm not saying you have to be a saint just 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 eat like a normal human just eat eat eat, eat natural stuff you know what i mean yeah eat 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 like a healthy behave like a healthy person that that's right out of peter winslow's mouth some oh, of the yeah. best advice he ever gave me just act like a healthy what does a healthy person do a healthy person gets up maybe they meditate maybe they go to the gym they work out they go to work they come home you know that's a stable life there's not a big roller coaster you know they um eat well they mm -hmm. eat well you know they're eating a full round balanced diet they're not eating McDonald's five times a week. You know, it's <laughs> all that stuff slows us down. You know, I mean, it, it just, it's like putting greasing up the, the wheel, right? <laughs> literally. Yeah. Yeah. Literally. <laughs> um, yeah. So Peter's course is great. Um, I know some, I haven't coached with her, but I know Heather Peterson is great too. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah, Michael, yeah. my the guy I had the website with him, have the website with Michael Petri. He he coached with her and said she was really good. Um, I've heard good things. Um, yeah, it's just oh, what was I gonna say? I was gonna talk about something. See, this is what I was gonna talk about. I was gonna talk about OCD a little bit. Yeah, good. And yeah. and um, kind of flopping all over here, but OCD really ties in with as2 just like the way you think about i've always been a little just obsessive and if you have chronic pain or something that you can't can't get can't get down i mean think about how how you're obsessing about it and spending your energy just kind of take a step back and think am i ocding about my pain and that might tell you a lot about your syndrome if it's the first thing you think about when you wake up and the last thing you think about when you go to bed you have a problem and it's not the pain it's your ocd is going crazy and you say well how do i it's like don't think of it what is that what's that line don't think of a pink elephant well don't think of a something elephant is mm. the line and then you immediately think about that it's like well how am i not supposed to think about the pain because it's like now nah, i'm thinking about it it's like the way you stop thinking about the pain is do something you love something completely different Mm. you that's as much as i can say and if you do not this is where it comes to having a life purpose if you don't have a life purpose you literally don't know what to do with your time without the pain that's not, i'm not trying to insult anybody i had no idea what to do with my time i still struggle to know what to do with my time but but you need to have something i would suggest if you're saying well i don't know what to do here's what you do <laughs> go down to the store and buy an instrument buy a buy a mandolin buy a trumpet buy that and get a book and whenever you're feeling pain practice it because once you get past the initial like few weeks of just learning the fingerings 
it's completely engaging and you'll be completely absorbed. So yeah, I, right. I use my, I use my banjo so much just to get out of, just to distract me. And yeah. it was off. It's not really like distracting, like, Oh, I want to push the pain away. No, you have to be absorbed in it. Your body is engaged and enjoying itself. It has to be some activity like painting or something where you can see yourself making progress and it rewards your brain. It's a dopamine hit that actually means something. That's what you have to do. Maybe mm -hmm. you can find it in your work, but it's really hard to find work that is very <laughs> rewarding. <laughs> so make make your hobbies about that. And um Shut off your damn phone at eight o'clock. If you go to bed at ten, shut it off at eight. <laughs> oh my gosh, that that was huge for me, man. I used to live like by falling asleep with my computer in my bed, watching movies, watching some shit, in watching going into your brain. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Right before, like, literally falling asleep to the computer, and it took me forever to realize I was waking up feeling terrible. Yeah, like You're watching. All yeah, you're watching shows about murders and stuff, and then you're like, okay, let's right. go subconscious. Yep. Yeah, eat the subconscious, a whole bunch of garbage, right? Before, <laughs> like exposing myself to all this unnatural light right before sleep. Yeah, that's Immolating too. my brain, waking me up while I'm already exhausted, staying awake, past where I'm tired. One of the best pieces of advice I heard was go to sleep before you're tired. Really? Yeah. Go to sleep before you're even sleepy. Because when you're sleepy, it's your body saying, Oh, it's like you're, you missed. You're, come on, dude. Yeah. Like, what are you doing, man? <laughs> and I mean, I don't always get there. Trust me. I mean, no, no. But when I do, it's like I'm actually closing my book, turning off the light before I'm even sleepy. So that when I'm lying in bed on my back, I find if I lay on my side, it's like a way of turning away from myself. Mm -hmm. But, and this is what I learned with Peter and at the, at the very conception of inception of my um, healing was going to bed with a clear mind and envisioning say my life, the way I would choose it to be mm -hmm. or me as a healthy person, me as the healthiest part of myself. So, Really, I mean, I don't do that exact thing anymore, but what I do do is still have that time with mm -hmm. me or with my higher self to get hippy-dippy on us. <laughs> yeah. Before I sleep, it's one of the most intimate times of my day and most truthful and most, most authentic, I guess. Um, feels good. Anyway. No, I totally get like just just being present with your body and just appreciating it and just just feeling love. Yeah. Just it's That's true. It's true what they say. There's only two emotions, love and fear. And then all other emotions are just I, who says that? Eckhart Tolle or somebody? Somebody yeah. says it in one of those books. It's not mine. Trust me. None of this wisdom is my own. Yeah. It's like uh it's all there are is two two emotions, and if you think, think about it, it's either love or fear. And if you're feeling an emotion, decide which one is. If you're feeling anxiety, that's fear. If you're feeling happy and excited, that's obviously a love emotion. Just just keep, and 
the more you practice feeling the one emotion, the more your body, you, the more your body will feel that as the norm. Um, oh, here's a good point. You practice. It's like you you can feel terrible all the time. So people are anxious and depressed their whole life. If you can make yourself feel like that, why can't you make yourself feel happy all the time? Why can't the opposite be true? Of course it's true. You can be happy and content. You're not going to be happy all the time. You're not going to be running around like a manic, you know, you're going to be sad, but you don't have to focus on these feelings. You can focus on the opposite of like, like you can focus on the love aspects of the feelings. Like, I, you know, like any feelings you have of like, like happiness we all stem from love. Yeah. Yes. Right. And it, it's a, it's a great thing to be aware of because it's simple mm -hmm. and it, it, get, it at least gave me a, uh, a reference point of where I was coming from and what I was feeling in the present moment and what state of being I was functioning from. Mm -hmm. And in knowing that was this love fear. And then if it's fear, it's like, well, that's okay. Yes. Oh, that that's a lie. And it's not the truth of who I am. And I can watch it and I can be okay with it. And the more I do that, the quicker will likely shift because I'm not feeding it and I'm not buying. Mm. You know, it's just like you were talking about the, the Stay Puff Marshmallow Man or the, you know, Ghostbusters. Like if you're thinking, <laughs> If you're thinking about it, pop yep. it. there it is. There it yep. Is. You know what I mean? Like we've created it and if we keep feeding it. Well, I think it's like the slow for me, it's been a slow journey to just realizing that I can watch it. I can watch it um, when it feels like it's getting away from me. And then like you were talking about all these different ways up the, up the path and little things like closing your mouth, mm -hmm. sitting down and relaxing our shoulders and allowing and accepting maybe the fear. Oh, it's fear. Anxiety is fear. Okay. All right. This is where we are. That's okay. <laughs> Rather than holy moly this is the worst i'm you know you know smiling <laughs> right down and all the rest and you know anyway and i totally agree like yep just you just don't want to amplify it and just being present just like you said yep this is fear this is anxiety obviously everybody's listening is like yeah it's way easier said than done but yeah it just takes a few times. It just takes a few times, and each time it gets easier and easier. It's like, oh, that's anxiety. I know that feeling. I'm not mm -hmm. gonna let it. I'm not gonna let it go to ten. I can have a five anxiety and live with it. And you know what? I could live with the ten anxiety too. But that's the thing. As soon as you accept it, it's not gonna be a ten anxiety because <laughs> the only way you get a ten anxiety is if you're afraid of fear, which is just a compounding. You know, you know, you're anxious about the anxiety itself, which makes the anxiety go to 10. It's like double. <laughs> that makes sense. Can I talk about uh, one thing I kind of want to hit on? I completely forgot some path you don't want to go on. I'm just going to give people a warning. Okay. Yeah. Obviously, anything that makes you feel good temporarily, I'm going to say al alcohol and anti anxiety drugs like benzos in particular, Xanax 
and um, Klonopin and stuff like that that mess with your body's ability to regulate anxiety. If you're trying to heal, you want to avoid these things so hard because when you're not on them, obviously, if you're on them, have listen to doctors' advice and go off them very slowly because they're very because I've noticed a lot of people who have chronic pain are on painkillers and they're on anti-anxiety drugs, not antidepressants, anti-anxiety drugs, and those are so they're the antithesis of what you need to do to heal. And it, but people say, well, my anxiety is in control of myself. No, it it, it downregulates your ability to deal with anxiety, so you need to get you need to get off these so you can actually experience the emotions fully because you need to fully be able to embrace the emotions and if you're masking them your ability to cope won't be there and you'll never develop it if that makes sense things that mimic booze like yeah like xanax and clonopin and things like that I, I i've seen firsthand how bad they can be and they can mess with your healing journey and put you in a state of constant fight or flight when you're not on them. So you think they're working, but really it's like coffee. When you drink coffee every day, when you drink coffee every day, it feels great right away, but eventually you're more tired and you just get to your baseline by drinking coffee. You're just at your baseline by drinking coffee. You're not, you're not pepping up anymore. You're super tired and you just get to normal by drinking coffee. That's what it's like with booze. And these anti-anxieties, it's like you are super anxious and you just get to your baseline when you take these instead of it making you relaxed. It happens very quickly and it can be dangerous. On another note, I don't drink coffee. I don't do anything. I take zero drugs. I take nothing. Zero. I don't even take – I stopped taking all vitamins, everything. <laughs> I became quite a skeptic. I haven't taken a uh, anti-inflammatory since last February, so 14 months. 15, 14 months yet. As soon as I left the rheumatologist, that was the last time I took one. Wow. Wow. <laughs> so that was, I was done all, I mean, obviously take your, I don't want to give anyone obviously medical advice, but you can do it. You can get off all that stuff. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. and, Incredible, Craig. Awesome. And Amazing. Yeah. To, to go back on that point, like I had to, I was on clonopin briefly and uh, that is one thing it was before I got diagnosed cause I'd been so nervous and the doctor gave it to me and it made the symptoms way, way worse. And now I realize this looking back, looking back on this and I had to wean off of it. And it was the same drug as booze did to me. And when I was coming off booze and when I was 28, seven, nine and a half years ago, I also had a lot of aches and pains for a year and I never associated it with that. You know, <laughs> it's funny how looking back, it's like I was so stressed out and my knee was swollen for three months. One time I could barely move my wrist. I was, I was, I was seven or eight years ago and I was in a relationship I didn't want to be in. And it's funny how it got better once I broke up with her and I never put it together. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Uh, <laughs> You know, you and I stopped drinking at the same age. That's crazy. 28. 28. 20, my 28th birthday was the last time I have drunk. That's awesome, man. Yeah. It's it's like we're the reverse. You know, all those, <laughs> like the Janis Joplin. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Jimmy, uh, 
Jimmy Hendrix. We're the reverse club because they die at 27. We get sober at 28. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I know. Like, <laughs> really living. It's like you they, either hit it really hard or you clean up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was a big shift for me, man, when I stopped. It was uh, just classic, you know. It was definitely medicating and suppressing all kinds of stuff with mm -hmm. alcohol. And when I stopped, that's when, you know, things really started hitting the fan for me. Well, it was like before that for a little while. And then after, it was a whole new set of things to face. Mm -hmm. and, <laughs> and that 28 years old, not to go back on this, that seems like a very impressionable year of like age, like 27, 28. Maybe that's why all those people die at that age. It's like, you're no longer a kid. And I was acting like a kid and it's like, it's time to get sober. It's like, it's time to either, either this is, I'm committing to this lifestyle. Or I'm getting sober. But I mean, 10 years ago, I was just, I was putting a bandaid on it. Like I'll get sober and it'll fix my life. But then I distracted myself with, Everything else in the, my hypochondria got worse. I, I, my brain found a thing to do with itself because I never fixed a core problem, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But, um, was there, was there, was there anything else that you wanted to go over? Huh? Not much. Just if anybody wants to contact me, I just feel so blessed and lucky. And I appreciate you having me on here. I really truly do. And, I'm so lucky I found your YouTube video because I don't know where I'd be if I didn't find it. It sounds so hokey, but I, would, I don't know what I'd be doing. Would I be still depressed and in pain? Or just finding you led me to so many other people. So that's why with the website, I kind of want to make it so it can lead people to other options because, you know, some coaches aren't right for everybody. Some books aren't right for everybody. There was a few books I read and I'm like, get this out of here. This is nonsense. But there's other books I really resonated with and other people thought they were nonsense too, but it doesn't matter because there's so many ways to heal. There's so many paths to healing. That's, that's kind of the theme of this is like, there's so many paths to healing and it's just trusting you. <laughs> just trust your body. Just trust it. It's smart. <laughs> it's, it's very smart. It can deal with a lot. Trust me. <laughs> You, you've learned, I mean, we're going to open up another can of worms here, but, <laughs> but you learned to talk to your body or listen to your body in mm -hmm. some way wrote about, um, mm -hmm. like, how, what's your, what's your relationship with asking your body questions, say when you're experiencing some fear? Okay. I I'll give you an example. So I, <laughs> I have many memories of not too recently. I would drive to the hospital and sit outside of it and feel my heart because I thought I was going to have a heart attack. That's how little I trusted my body. I would be like, oh my gosh, it's beating so hard and it's beating irregular. I was getting heart palpitations and I would always feel my pulse. And I would always, if I had a pain, I'd be like, oh, I think it's my, literally I thought I had a spleen infection or something. I was going into the, the urgent care one day. That's how little I trusted my body. 180 today. Now, if anything goes on, a twitch, heart palpitation, anything, I just say, it knows what it's doing. I trust my body. I trust my body. And <laughs> I'm going to jinx it, of course, but I, my heart palpitations, all these weird aches and pains, all these weird side aches, all, basically disappeared. They're, they're psychosomatic. 
almost all these weird things that happened, this like vertigo, all these things that were going on. Like, I mean, man, when I had AS too, I was getting vertigo in the morning and spinning around all these symptoms, all these bizarre symptoms, just, you know, diarrhea, all these things. It's just, just trust your body. It knows what it's doing. As long as you just, just talk to your body and say, Hey, you're doing your thing. If my heart misses a beat, Hey, it's doing its thing. You know, everybody has heart palpitations and everybody kind of gets scared when it happens. It happens. You say, Hey, it's working the kinks out. It knows what it's doing. Mm. Again, again, obviously get your heart checked out. If you, got, if you have, <laughs> think you have issues, I don't want to make anybody, but I mean, if you're healthy and you're, and, you, and you're eating decent, <laughs> you're, <laughs> Your heart's going to work. What stress is like the biggest cause of heart attacks ever. Like that's basically, I mean, I'm, obviously that's, I'm not a doctor, but stress is so hard on your body. Just trust your body. Yeah. I talk to my body all the time. I just thank it. I say, you did a great, after I get working out, it's just great to say, thank you for doing a good job. Thank you for, thank you for being there. And you have to realize it's not always going to be like that. One day your body will fail you as it will fail everyone. And you mm -hmm. have to accept it. You have to say, Thank you, body, for doing the work now and understand that this is temporary. This is me enjoying my body while it's healthy because it's not going to be like this forever. God willing, it'll be like this as long as I can keep it, hopefully a long time. But one day, it might be hard. It might be hard to do lift 20 pounds when you get old. You know what I mean? It's just trusting it and just being like, you're doing your thing. And in the less the less I the less I try to interfere with my brain, I'm not going to think my way out of it. I'm just going to let my cells do what they were intended to do. And um, Joe Dispenza talks about that a lot because he was in a bad, bad car accident and they thought he'd be paralyzed forever. And this, his story is he sat in the hospital for three weeks just meditating and he had a miraculous recovery. And that's why he started the whole you're the placebo thing, just talking to yourself in the in the guided imagery meditations and he has so many stories of people healing from things which is crazy it doesn't even sound real when you look at it but the proofs in the pudding more cliches just look at us look at us people people have these as their whole life and never get to figure out why and look how lucky we are look who yeah. we are yeah that that's definitely the greatest gift that it's been for me is an opportunity to understand what's going on, have it like, have it make sense or also give me the opportunity to grow through it and not be victimized by it and realize, well, it always comes back to what can I learn here? You know, that's just, I'm growing and I'm learning and I'm getting stronger and I'm, you know, like I'm, this is all a part of it. And this is my road. And I'm, you know, I'm grateful for it. Even as wild as it's been, I'm grateful for the pain, the anxiety, the depression, the, all these things, because it's waking me up. Mm -hmm. It's literally making me look at what I was unwilling to look at for so long. And I'm still opening my eyes. <laughs> There's uh -huh. still the, I know it, I know. But I mean, the difference is I'm not, uh, I'm not, I'm not in massive amounts of pain and I'm not emotionally unstable. 
it wouldn't be fun if there was no room to grow. Right. <laughs> it <laughs> wouldn't. <laughs> if everything was just perfect. Yep. It would. It would take some of the fun out of it. Okay. I guess. <laughs> okay. Um. Yeah. So. Um. I. I can't thank you enough, man, for I being here. And I, I really. Yeah, I thank you for everything, Michael. I really appreciate it. You're welcome, man. You're welcome. It's been incredible getting to know you. And uh, it's incredible to do this podcast with you, man. It's an, it's amazing. And I hope that we can do another one one day. I hope so. I would love to. I would love to do it. Maybe have a few more steps for people to take. And please don't, please don't hesitate to contact me. And don't hesitate to contact Michael. Oh, my God. He literally saved my life. <laughs> Put me on the path, man. And I and I really appreciate it. And um, this this podcast you're doing is great. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. I wish everyone a great day. All the information for Craig is going to be in the description of this podcast. And so go and get a hold of him. And if you have any questions, get a hold of me. It's uh, always a pleasure. Uh, take care, my friend. I'm going to stop this recording.